Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. So good to be here with you. Uh, I'm excited because you have two of the finest pastors in all of the C3 movement, Chris and Ruth. Why don't you give them a hand? Give them a big, let's give them a big hand. My Lord. And uh, 101, I'm excited about 101. What a great beginning, 101. Fantastic, isn't it? Do you know, uh, I mean, this is a great provision. This is good. It's bright. It's airy. There's lights. There's stage. It's all here. There's fans. It's all good. There's an outdoor area. There's parking at the door. How good is that? And uh, so this is a great provision right here, but obviously you're going to 101. Just tap your neighbor and say, we're going to 101. <laughs> We're going to 101. What a great provision yeah, for the future. Aren't you glad you don't live in Bondi? I'll bet you're glad that you're not C3 Bondi. I'll tell you why. I oversight C3 Bondi along with a number of C3 churches. And uh, the pastor tells me that the cost of a building there is $70 million. Starting point. $70 million. Come on. Eh? So... So I'm looking at all these figures here this morning thinking, my God, this is like one house loan. This is, this is so doable. This is so achievable. It's not difficult, is it? You know, 70 million to me would be a kind of a little bit difficult. How many of you know it's a bit difficult? But the Lord has favored them because the Jewish owner of the Swiss Grand where they meet, you know, has given them six months to get out, and then six months comes, and he said, oh, another six months, and then another six months, another six months, and they keep hanging on there. So I don't know what they're going to do, meet on the beach or something like that. It's amazing, isn't it? So your 101 building, very achievable, very doable. It's just like one house loan. I, uh, can I tell you the truth? I got one word, one agreement. Mm. Can I tell you the truth? I've got a $600,000 home loan. And it doesn't worry me one night of the week. I never go, oh, like this in the middle of the night, worrying about it. Never worries me. God is our provider, isn't he? So if one person can hold on to, well, you guys are going there. Tap your neighbor and say, we're going there. There's no question about it. We're going there. And uh, I think it's marvelous. I think it's a great provision you guys are making for here. And think about it this way with me, if you can. It's not just a building. It never is just a building. Everything that we do as believers in the kingdom of God and local churches, we are building an altar. We're building a place where people can come and their whole world can be shifted, transformed and changed for eternity. So we're building an altar where they can come down and give their lives to Christ, have their you know, have their sins forgiven and get settled in the new kingdom of God and, and the, the old begins to go and the new arrives. How good is that? And uh, all the stuff that happens, their marriages get help. They get baptized in water, which I love. And God seems to love it. Water baptisms are great times. And then they get filled with the Holy Spirit, which I love as well. And so does God because it's all through the Bible. And then they become part of the kingdom with us and help us to win the community to Christ. So we're not about just building a building for a sake. You can do that anywhere. Thank God for the BER that helped us with this because otherwise we could be sitting in the rain, couldn't we? 
But anyway, God's been good to us. But think of it like that. It's an altar. 101 is a place like an altar where Jesus Christ is Lord. And people come under the atmosphere and the anointing of that place because your prayers are powerful. And your prayer puts you in a position where when they come through the doors, there's already something being attached to their life, the presence of God that drives away the darkness. People come among us and they go, oh, it's so nice here. I feel peace. I feel joy. I feel love because the presence of God is there. And so the darkness flees. Who's with me? Fantastic, isn't it? I want to introduce to you the first woman in my life, Kathy Gray. Kathy Gray, come and just give us a, yeah, give her a hand. This is my wife. morning church I have to to say amen to everything that that Adrian has just said you know we we're at a different church nearly every week and uh which is what God's called us to do he's not called you to be at a different church every week there are a few people who have that that dispensation they can do that but not the rest of us all right um and we go, all the churches we go to are good. Right. And some of them are great. And I really believe in the atmosphere in this house this morning, this is a great place to be. Yes, and uh, to just see where you're going. And uh, you, know, you could almost get content enough to just stay here in this spot because it's such a great school hall. But you, it's not home. Right. Home's just down the road. And it's nothing quite like, you know, if you, if you get your own home, you, know, you, can, you can rent the loveliest places, and, but they're never quite home, are they? Until you get the keys to your own place and you just feel so, ah, this is home. That's where you're going. How exciting. What an exciting time and period to be in, in the life of this church. You're very blessed and privileged. I was uh, quite fascinated listening to uh, Pastor Ruth sharing in the communion this morning. I've also been in St. Peter's Basilica and I could picture what she was talking about. And uh, I didn't realize that Peter's bones were locked away down there somewhere. But, uh, you know, the point she made was very real. But I've been to a place where there are no bones. I've been into a tomb that is empty. I've been into a place where once there was a body laid, but now no longer is. And that is a journey I took some years ago to the land of Israel and stepped into that tomb in the garden there, right next to the Calvary's uh, hill. And uh, in the garden there is the place where Jesus' body was laid. But when I stepped into that tomb, though I knew it from his word and I knew it in my heart that he is not here, he is risen, I was able to see it with my own eyes that he is not there, he is risen. And now we have that incredible blessing of being able to enter into the most holy place of all. Now to say that to you this morning, to say that next March in 2012, and maybe you'd like to just, where is it? Oh, there it is. Um, Pop that up. I'm going to be taking a tour group to the land of the Bible. And I'm extending to you an invitation for you to come and join with me as we go to Israel and into Jordan to go to all those places that you read about in the Bible and see them come alive in your own heart and to understand a lot of things in in context to what you're reading about. Um, 
Adrian and I are going to be there in October this year. The, the tour is next year in March, but we're going to be there again in October this year. And we have an extraordinary privilege of going to preach in one of the churches there and to um, just be a blessing to that church. And we're just so excited about that. And we know that God is going to be opening more and more doors to us in the land of Israel. And maybe we'll see one day in the not-too-distant church a C3 church in Israel. But perhaps you can be part of the forerunners of that and join me next year in March if you'd like to go to the land of the Bible and walk where Jesus walked and see the places where he lived and where he ministered and where he died and just the whole thing, then I'm inviting you to join with me. I've brought some brochures. If you'd like to get a brochure afterwards, you can, and I'm going to leave them with Pastor Chris and Ruth. And if you'd like to join me in Israel, please come. It's just going to be the best time of your life. Thank you, Taffy. Good stuff. I'd love to go. Will you pay for me? <laughs> yeah, give her a hand. Fantastic. She's inviting you all to go, but she's not paying for you all. I just thought I'd qualify that. So you may have to save up a little bit yourself. But, uh, yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it, if, if as believers we would uh, lay hold of the opportunities that God lays before us in the earth. Let's lift our hands to the Lord just a second or two right now. Dear God, we thank you this morning for this incredible church. Thank you for the, the faith and the vision that you've put within our leaders, our pastors. You've given to them such a sense of the destiny of this house, the call that is on it. Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for this opportunity today to be with one another and to be with, with our children here and the young men and the young women of the house. We pray, Lord God, that we will take advantage of the advantages you give us and that we will ride the waves of the Holy Spirit into the future that lies before us and as well lies within us. We pray today in Jesus' name that you will strengthen us as we hear the word this morning. And as we respond to it, Lord, may we leave this house this morning in a different dimension of thinking and believing because your hand is upon us. You're our God and we give you praise and we give you glory. And everybody said, Amen. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews, one of the most famous books in all the Bible. And uh, this feels good. I like the lightness of this church, and I like the, I like the fact the seats are all uh, together like this. It's really great. And it only took us how long, Kathy? About an hour twenty to get here. It's, you guys are not far away from anywhere. I'm telling you. I mean, sometimes we think, well, we'll only draw from our catchment area, but the fact is. The house of God, when it's really on fire for him, with its sense of destiny and purpose, can attract people from hundreds of miles away. People will come because they hear about what the Lord is doing in you and with you. And they'll want to come and experience that. And so it's vital that we build the kind of house that God loves and that people are attracted to. And so let's look at Hebrews 11. Wow, I love these lights. I can even see. I've had to take my own little light to some churches recently, put it on the pulpit and uh, try to see the Bible. It's been amazing. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith, now faith, not yesterday's, not what was, not, you know, the bones. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's read verse 2 out loud together. For by it, are you there? For by it. Uh, whichever version you have, go ahead. You don't have it? Go ahead, read verse 2 in the version you have. 
<laughs> Let's try together verse 3 then, because that was, that was so good. Are you ready? By faith. I understand that, that when you hear your voice reading and then you hear you're reading a different version to everybody else, you wonder if you're on the right book or page. But, but there's something special about hearing yourself read the word to you. And uh, throughout the 34 years that Kathy and I founded Mount Annan Church, every Sunday we read the Bible out loud, every Sunday. There would be, a, on one hand, you could count the, the days we didn't have communion. Almost every Sunday of 34 years, we had communion. So we were like you in the deep end, believing God and expecting God. But I love this verse too. He says, for by this, this spirit of faith, by this longing to be where God longs us to be, by this position, by this purpose, these people here in the scriptures, obtained a good testimony. And there's something being said about us all the time. There's something being said in heaven constantly about us. Jesus is talking about us to the Father. There's something being said in church life by one another. There's something being said around the movement about us. There's something being said constantly. And I believe right here, we hear the scripture saying to us that there was a testimony created because of the position of these believers. Because they chose to be the kind of people who would live their life not in some protective, non-risk-taking measure, but actually stepping out and taking the courage and the boldness of Christ into the adventure of believing God on every step of their journey. Literally, regardless of their settings and their circumstances, and today, church, we find ourselves all in different settings and circumstance. Maybe you're in a rented house. Maybe you're in a borrowed house. Maybe you're in a caravan. We lived a lot of our married life in a caravan. Maybe there are people around the world who are living in a refugee camp and there are thousands, tens of thousands, if not millions across the earth doing that. But in the midst of those circumstances, whatever they happen to be, there is this challenge that comes to all of us because as we read the word, it's not selective just for one or two or for three or four. Try number three. Number, num number three. Okay, so I'm on number three now. So if it breaks down, keep the count, will you? Amen. Fantastic. Give him a hand, the guy that's doing the sound. Give him a hand. Because we know where to spot him now, if there's any more problems, don't we? Amen. So what I recognize is this, that the application to this kind of position where we become the kind of people that have a testimony about us. It's something that's equal opportunity to every believer in the life of the church. The Lord is not 
favoring some above, the, you know, some reason we have this idea that the front row gets favored above the second and the, and the second above the third and the third above the fourth and the fifth above the sixth. And if you sit in the back row, there's no favor. Those people don't believe that, do you? Because there's as much favor back there as there is down here. Amen. And the equalness of the opportunity that we have today is that God comes to us with his heart of love, with his heart of grace, and he puts us in the position to be able to believe him about anything and everything. And we start out our Christian life, you know, by grace, through faith, that not of ourselves, it's a gift. And we start out with a gift that is offered to us, and we take up the opportunity to believe that God is a God of love and grace who extends his hand to us and says, welcome into my heart, welcome into my home, I want you to be one of mine, and we believe it. And from that day forward, there are constantly going to be challenges to believe promises from the Bible about everything. The challenge to have more children, I heard last Sunday. My God, how good is that? Amen. I, that's my forte. I used to say to our church at Mount Annan, come on, you lot, help us. Have some babies. Come on, we're growing too slow. Why don't we, nobody getting saved, somebody do something about it. Come on. Kathy and I did our part, didn't I, Kathy? I used to say to them, they'd all look at me, oh, he's on his little trip again. Amen. But we grew the house to a 1,000 members and beyond. And then we gave away people to satellite churches because we started five of them from the main house. So we gave away sons and daughters so we could have more. And that's the kind of God we serve, that he reaches out his hand and his heart and his promise to us and wants us to make a response. And so I found out that believing God and being a Christian and being in church life is not about sitting back and just backing off and being a spectator because, you know, there's so much sport in our country that we're applying ourselves sometimes in church life to sport life as though there's a similarity. But in church life, all of us need to be front-footed. Tap your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. We need to be front-footed. We need to be on the edge, literally laying hold of what we've been laid hold of for. Because his call is, is resounding around the world. And there are people hearing it in the, in the various cultures and, and places around the world. Somebody told me recently, and I think I heard an article on SBS, of a very, Kathy knows the name of the, the ministry uh, throughout the Middle East. I can't think of the guy's name. But he says that there are close to 5 million Islamic people who have made commitments to Jesus Christ. Go ahead. Give the Lord a hand. That's, that's worth giving the Lord a hand about, isn't it? And so we have this incredible opportunity to build the kind of believing that applies our hearts to promises. Promises for your life, promises for our lives, promises for the lives of others round about us, promises for our health, promises to deal with our debt, our discouragement, our despair, our diseases, promises to deal with every single thing in our world. No matter who, and I heard Pastor Chris this morning praying for you guys that are going back to Africa. Where are you? Well, praise Diera, you're going back to Africa. Amen. What a beautiful place to go back to. And then come back here. And I heard him praying for health. And so all through the scriptures, there is this incredible position that God is calling us to 
to believe for promises. How many of you know today, maybe I'm speaking at the wrong church, maybe we should just take the microphone and go down the street to some other church and preach there. No, no, I think I'm at the right church. I think I've got the right message. I think I've got the right spirit. And I think what I'm really seeking to do is be the brother of the big spoon to you. See, that's my calling. I'm a big spoon to stir up, to stir up your, your appetite, your hunger. Now, Kathy, when Kathy had a big spoon, it was also smacking the kids. You know, I know. I'm not the smacker. I'm not the smacker. Wait till your mother gets home. Not wait till your father gets home. You know, because dad will always let you off. Our kids used to say that, didn't they, Kathy? What did they say? They used to say, if if mum says no, it's no, but if dad says no, it's maybe. (laughs) Exactly. I don't want to be the bad ogre of the family. I want to be the generous one. (laughs) Kathy, I went to see my grandkids yesterday because we've been away for two and a half weeks traveling from Ballina all the way down the coast preaching and teaching. I'm tired of hearing my own voice. I want to get home. But I want to see the grandkids more than anything else. And uh, so first thing, Saturday morning, round to the grandkids, pocket full of money, deal out the pocket money. Kathy says, we can't do this all the time. I said, yes, we can. You can do whatever you like when you're a grandparent, can't you? You don't need approvals for stuff, man, when you're a grandparent. And the same is true in the Scripture. God has given us this incredible book of promises. 7,000, they say. I mean, God's a multiplier, so if the 7,000, there's probably another 7,000 haven't been discovered yet. And, and what he wants to do is make this picture available to you and say, will you believe? Wow. Yes, God. Will you believe? Because some of us will be in that position where there's no other way out where there's no other way through, where there's no other result for us. It might be a condition of health. It might be a condition in our finances. It might be a condition in our relationships, in our family. Things can be going along really smooth. We're all lovey-dovey. Everybody loves everybody in the family. And suddenly something happens that breaks that. Somebody gets upset. It wouldn't happen to you. Tap your neighbor and say, please, God, no. (laughs) But when it happens, when somebody in the family gets upset about something, the ripple goes right through the family. And how do we fix it? And then we fix one side and then the other side's broken. And then we fix that side and then it breaks out somewhere else. And so we are in this position constantly, I think, as believers, right throughout our entire journey of, of the Christian life to believe. The God of promises and the promises of God so that we can have a testimony in our world with one another, with the Lord, and also be seen by the outsiders as a group of people that dare to believe God. Because what they're going to tell their friends and neighbors is, I went to C3 Central Coast, I had this massive problem, and everybody loved me and cared about me. They even paid some of my bills, and guess what? I love God as well. Amen. And they'll run with a testimony to their friends and their neighbors and somebody else will catch it. How many of you hear what I'm saying? And then instead of having one service in the BER hall, we'll have a couple of services going on because we won't better fit in the first one. Wow. Wouldn't that be nice? 
What about this church in South America that closes just two hours a week to, to clean the toilets? That's all. Because <laughs> you can imagine, you know, if you're open 24-7, you know what the toilets get like in the McDonald's restaurants, don't you? You know, I mean, but if you're open 24-7 and the service is going on round the clock, seven days a week, and that's literally what's going on in South America. A church that's open seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and it closes for two hours a week only to clean the toilets. Wouldn't you love to be in a church like that? Uh, some of you are nodding, but I, I'm not that easily convinced, man, because you know what happens? When an hour and a half comes up, we've got to rush away to do nothing. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Oh, Pastor Chris is going so long this morning. I've got to get out of here, man. I have got nothing to do for the rest of my day, but I've got to get there. It's true, isn't it? And if he asked me to come out tonight, are you joking? Doesn't he know it's Sunday night? Is he, what is he on these days? I mean, has he gone over the top, please? And I heard recently uh, of, of, of a, a family member of a church saying we should get our pastor checked out. He's, a, he's psychotic. He wants two services a day. He's lost it, man. Go with me to another passage of Scripture. Matthew 14. A good testimony. A good testimony. A good testimony. I don't want to live a life of regret. I want to live a life with a testimony of how good the Lord has been to me, how great he's been, because I want my children and my grandchildren, my colleagues and associates and friends round about to know that the life that I lived for him was so meaningful and so powerful that I left behind me a testimony. And people will be able to say, this is the way they lived. This is the way they thought. This is what they taught. This is the way they spoke. This is the way they, they exhibited their faith. And I believe he's calling you right here to build the kind of testimony that will attract believers and non-believers and inquirers and people who have never been near a church before because your testimony goes out into the airwaves. For the second time, uh, this year, I saw it on a tweet. I wasn't there, but I saw it on a tweet. Uh, Mount Allen Church gave away a brand new car. How wonderful to drive a new car yourself. I, that smell. Who loves the smell of a new car? You just sit in it for the smell, don't you? What are you doing? I'm sitting in the smell. The smell is so good. It's so rich. Uh, and then you want to sell it when the smell goes, don't you? And then it gets a bit dirty. Just wash it and keep it another month. But we gave away a brand new, second time a brand new car to somebody who was in crisis and need. And the testimony in the airwaves now is that they're not taking, because everybody, if you talk to people across New South Wales and across the Central Coast, they'll say, oh, all the church wants is your money. But we've got to create a testimony that says, no, we want you because we love you. And, and God wants you because he loves you. Because he made you and created you to be loved and to be liked and to be treated well. And the money is another issue. And when you're filled with relationship, you'll give because you've got relationship with Jesus. I have no trouble buying stuff for Kathy because I love her. After 43 years, she's thought of trading me in a few times. I've thought of trading her in a few times. And she said to me, she says, who'd have you? And I go, yeah, you're right. Who'd have me, a fanatical Pentecostal preacher? 
And, you know, the passing moments when we've we had those few little tiffs and we thought, I can't live here anymore. And she's thought, I can't live here anymore either, but he won't give me any money to go. <laughs> you know, we've had those moments. We've all had those stinging little moments, haven't we, in life? Am I the only one here? Am I the only one that's had a day that you didn't want to live with your family anymore? You want? Come on, let's have a time of honesty. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you. I say that hand, thank you, thank you, thank you. All those people come down and get saved, amen. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? We all face the raw edge of life in our journey, but when you love someone and you really love someone, the difference between Kathy and I is that she'll go into a shop and spend three hours, then come out with nothing. <laughs> and she'll look at everything and say, oh, it's all these wonderful things. And I go, please, darling, go buy something. Please, help me. And, it's not, and, and whereas me, I get a brochure and I go, I'll have that one, thank you very much. And I buy off a brochure. That's how I don't even have to go to the shop. That's My deal is I just want to shoot it very quick and, and get it at home as fast as I can. Who's with me? Oh, the men of the house. Come on. That's the, that's the mentality of a man, isn't it? We were in Perth at the 500 plus, And Kathy went shopping with one of the pastor's wives. She came out with a whole lot of bags. I was just hyper excited because she had bought something. It's an amazing thing. And when you love someone, you want to give, you want to share. And so 101 for you guys, when you love God, when you love your pastors, when you love your church, the giving deal is not an extraction at all. You're not at the dentist. You're, you're, not, you're not sick when you're giving. When you're giving, you're generous. And it's a beautiful spirit to have, isn't it? And you have that spirit and then you get just so fulfilled because you've been part of something. And you can look at it down the way and think, well, I was there. I was part of that. What a wonderful thing. And all the people that are going to get saved in 101 is because my faith and my provision and my sacrifice was in there. Amen. My Lord, if there was an offering this morning, Kathy would be giving, I'm sure I can tell you. This is, this is the way we live our lives because we, we taught our children the same. When our children went to work, the first pay packet we said to them belongs to the Lord. You know what the first pay packet's like? When you've never had any money and mum and dad have been giving you pocket money all your life and you've been getting little bits and pieces and then one day you've got your own first pay packet. Who remembers their own first pay packet? My Lord, mine was seven pound four shillings. For six days' work in a chicken farm, seven pound four shillings is what I got. For six days' work from daylight till dark, shoveling chook manure. And when it gets wet, the chook manure, it stinks to high heaven, I can tell you, man. And I was shoveling it all day, and then I got my first pay packet. Well, I wasn't a Christian when I got the first one. I'm sure I was a Christian later on. But I went straight to the shop and bought my mum a big bar of Cabbage chocolate on my first pay packet. On the way home, I ate the bar of chocolate. <laughs> Why don't you? Why keep it too long? I mean, put it in the fridge, it'll get too hard. Give it in your pocket, it'll get too soft. The best thing to do is eat the stuff. Isn't that right? So I went to another shop and I bought another bar. And I put it in my backpack and I started, I was on my push bike, started pedaling home from Ingleburn to Campbelltown. And that was my transport, a push bike in those days. 
and I got hungry, so I ate the second bar. <laughs> True story. And on the way home, I bought mum the third bar, and uh, I visited a man on the north coast who's in his late 80s who led me to Christ uh, a couple of months ago, and he said to me, because his memory for the present is difficult, but his memory for the past is strong, and he said, I remember the chocolate you bought your mum. I said, you're exactly right. I did. I bought her the third bar, and there's nothing. I feel good about that. You see, it's a little thing. Sure, it's a little thing. But you take the first thing that you've got that comes from his goodness, that comes from his help and his hand and your prayers and, and, and his promises, and you put it into God's hand. And you go without for a few days because we know what that is. We're, Kathy and I, in our first church plant, had no work for the first six, seven months and no money, zero. Remember, Kathy, zero. And she'd go down and buy... What would you buy? Two chops, one carrot and two eggs. <laughs> Imagine going shopping in the supermarket. Just that little bit. She'd go and buy one of this and one of that. And we had so little to live on. But you know we had so much to live on because we had him. And he wants us to love him and trust him and believe him and build a testimony about him. And we never got upset and cranky about it, did we? And I remember for one period of time there, we had custard. How long did we have custard? Um, three days, I think. Three days. All we, all we had was, I love custard, man. If you invite me to your house, have some apple pie and custard. Not the apple pie that's actually potatoes. Get the real apple, you know, but custard. How many love sweet custard? Oh, I could eat a bowl of it right now. I mean, just custard and ice cream and cream. Forget the diet. Forget that stuff. It's all rubbish, isn't it? Custard. <laughs> and so through the journeys of us planting churches and raising four children and helping poor people that came to our door, people that cried and said, this has happened and that has happened, and we went to our wallet and emptied out everything we had to live on for the week because of our love for them to serve Jesus. We've done it again and again and again. We're in the far north, up near, in, near Gulu. Everybody say Gulu. It's not a place you go for your holidays. There's 12,000 refugee uh, little huts there. It's a terrible place, really. In Uganda, I call it Uganda. She calls it Uganda. The, the Ganda sounds like something else. doesn't matter anyway to me. Uganda. And we're sitting up there, and I'm giving away money in the street. Because I'm desperately feeling their pain. Kids with nothing. People with nothing. We're so blessed in Australia, aren't we? Tap your neighbor and say, man, are we blessed. I mean, we are so blessed. We live in an incredible place in the earth. And I'm sitting there and we led this guy to Christ in a cafe. We led him to Christ, remember? All they had that day was some bananas. That was the breakfast. So we said, well, have bananas, thank you. So we had bananas for breakfast. There was nothing else there at this breakfast place. Led him to Christ. That night he moved a car to help the hotel owner because they'd parked the car in front of the wrong property. When he got in the car, he put his foot on the accelerator and it crashed through the front of the, the next door neighbor's property. We just led him to Christ. When someone comes to Christ, there'll be opposition. There'll be the devil trying to rage at them to try and get them back into the world to tell them that Christ is nowhere good as the life they've led. Isn't that true? 
And he tried that with all of us. And so they arrested him and took him to jail uh, straight away. And we found out from some of the, the pastor that was in the area there, we found out that three years before it would even come to a, to a hearing, three, he'd be locked away for three years. Do you remember that day, Kathy? And there was a Canadian couple there and us, a Canadian couple who were living on a shoestring and we were living on a shoestring. Aussies travel the world with nothing in their pocket. Well, I mean, look, an iPhone, that's about it. You know, nothing in our pocket. And uh, uh, we raked up $300 between the two of us, the, the Canadian couple and us. That's all we had left. And took it to the pastor who took it to the jail and paid his way out. Otherwise, he'd be rotting away for the next three years and no, nobody would help him. So we thought, heck, we can go without whatever we have to go without to get this young man out of that situation. Isn't giving a beautiful opportunity when you see the advantage that God gets in this young man? And they brought him straight out and we went to the, another local restaurant that night because the pastor had given us some small amount of money and we asked them, could we have um, the menu? So they gave us the menu and they said... Um, Here's the menu. We sat down and they said, uh, what would you like to order? I said, could we have bread and jam? They said, no, we don't have any jam. I said, okay, well, it was on the menu. I said, could we have eggs on toast? They said, no, we don't have any eggs. I said, oh, I just thought it was on the menu. I was just reading the menu. And so I said, could we have some bananas? They said, no, we don't have any bananas. I said, but it's on the menu. She said, no, we don't have any bananas either. They, they were open for business, but they had nothing to eat in the restaurant. Do you think that's funny? It's funny to us as Australians, but it's crazy to think that you've got a business, but you've got nothing to sell. So I said, could somebody go up the shop, up the street from one of the sellers and buy some bananas? They said, no, we can't do that either. And I recognized and realized they had nothing. They had nothing. They couldn't buy anything and they couldn't go anywhere. And so it didn't matter whether you wanted steak and eggs that night, you had to have nothing. <laughs> and so that's the way it was for us for the next few days and the advantage of us being able to believe God when you give away what you've got and you sacrifice to the Lord you honor the Lord and you help a person in need you are a prime candidate for the promise of God to come to your world amen you are on God's hit list somebody shout amen you're on God's hit list to bring a promise down into your circumstance and for God to bless your life wow Go to, to that scripture with me, Matthew. We were going there a half an hour ago, weren't we? If you've got to go to work, it's fine. Because she might have heard me saying, got to rush away to do nothing. And she might have been thinking, I need to go, I need to go. But everybody's going to be looking at me thinking, I'm going away to do nothing. I love this passage in Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Um, we'll just re quickly read 22. Verse 22, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, and the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. <laughs> it is I, don't be afraid. I want you to see the scene. It's such an incredible scene. Uh, 
they say, the people that, that, you know, the if we go right back to the early commentary writers of the Bible, they say when Jesus walked on the water, uh, the water under his feet actually hardened. As he placed his foot down on the water, you know, the skeptics say he walked on a sandbar. <laughs> the skeptics say the water, in the middle of the water, they say, you know, give you all kinds of reasons why it wasn't so, what was so. But the true manuscript writers and commentary writers say when Jesus stood on the water, under his feet was solid rock, solid ground. Get a picture of this, that God himself, when he calls you to step out onto the future, which is both in front of you and within you, that you are not going to fail or fall or be destroyed or be distraught or torn apart. When you step out onto that water, the water can harden under your feet. You are on supernatural ground now. You've stepped out of the natural into the supernatural. You've stepped over the obstacles, over the problems, over the perceptions, over the normality, into a supernatural zone where God is God and the devil can go to hell. Can you shout amen? And so here in this passage of Scripture here, we see this happening. He'd gone to pray. He'd left them alone while they're out there on the boat doing a little bit of fishing. In the night hour after his prayer time, he comes walking in the miracles. There's a lesson there for us. If we want miracles and promises, go to the mountain and pray. Go alone and go, my God, my God, my God, your word says. And lay hold of a divine promise because my God says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches. Go to the mountain, go to the prayer place, wherever it is. Dr. Cho says in that church of 800,000 members, little problem, little prayer. Big problem, big prayer. Little problem, little fast. Big problem, big fast. People come and say, Pastor, we need counseling, we need advice. He asked the first question, have you been to the mountain? They say, no. He says, well, please go to the mountain and pray. Three days prayer and fasting, then come back and you'll have the help of Almighty God in your world. In our day, in our culture, in Australia, on the Central Coast, we want God to do it, but we don't want to engage our action with it. We want it just to come mysteriously, creeping in like a mist in the night. And then we wake up in the morning and it's all there. Oh, whoa, whoa, how mysterious. <laughs> God, oh, oh, I serve God, but it's mysterious. No, he wants you to be practically smart and recognize if you'll believe his word, it'll come to pass. All things are possible to those who believe. So these believers are out in the middle of the storm. He's walking on the water. And I want you to see the question, the question that is here. I want you to see the question. Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. And Peter, the bold, courageous, fearless one, answered him and said to him, Lord, Lord, if it's you, God is always speaking to us and to you. His word is alive, 
sharper than a sword. He's always speaking. He's spoken through the prophets of old. He's spoken through generations. He's always been involved with humanity. He's spoken through every vehicle possible. He's spoken through donkeys. He's spoken at mountains. He's spoken in valleys. He's spoken in crisis. He's spoken in victory. He's spoken and he's speaking individually today. Through his word, God has chosen his son and he's speaking through Jesus to you and to me. And our response, like Peter, is quite normal. If it's you, if it's God calling me to be saved, well, it is. (laughs) If it's God wanting me to be healed, well, it is. If it's God wanting our relationships and our families to get together, well, it is. If it's God to build 101, well, it is. If it's God to go on the mission field and plant churches, well, it is. He is speaking to us through his word, and we don't have to be worried about that side of it because God is big enough to be God. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed when God gets to be God, he's big God? Have you noticed when he puts on his earthquake shoes, he shakes everything? You know, it's not just the furniture that's moving. The whole world begins to shake. When God is God, everything moves. If it's you, if it's you. And what I'm saying to you here is that when the promise of God is impending in your life and in your world for your finances, for your debt, for your doubt, for your disease, for your discouragement, when the promise of God is looming large before you, There's always an uncertainty if, if this is God, call me to come to you. Peter's smart. I'm glad he didn't just leap out of the boat and go, oh, it's you, Jesus, up. And he just leaps overboard, you know, without a wetsuit on. He's a fisherman. He didn't just jump overboard. He goes, let me question this for a moment because God's not frightened of questions. If it's you, bid me to come to you. So what does he do? He qualifies and he clarifies the word that God has for him. Huh? And he goes, if it's you, Lord, call me, command me to come. What Peter's doing, I think, is is he's removing the issues of suggestion and doubt and fear and uncertainty. Because God's into certainty, isn't he? When he makes a promise, he's saying it actually will happen. So he's saying, command me to come. So Peter knows in the command that God gives us to step out and believe him for the impossible things in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our community, he's going to command us by his word to step out and believe him. We live under a command from heaven. I'm here today not because I want to be, because I chose to be, because of your wonderful pastors invited. I'm here because I'm under divine command. When he saved me and set me apart and called me and anointed me and put me in the ministry, I stepped out on a command from heaven. I stepped out on a call from God. I stepped out on an appointment from above. And every time you have a promise work in your life, you're stepping into a commanded word that God has all the power to bring to pass in your life. How good is our God? Amen. My Lord, look at the time. Don't even dare. Where's that keyboard player? Do we have one? She was the one that went. I thought so. Come on, man. You're the man. 
You're the man with the money this morning. (laughs) While we're all watching him get busy, let's do that first. (laughs) Be aware of one thing while he's getting ready. God's not a God of formulas. There's no A, B, C. If you do A and B and C, you'll get D. There's no formulas in God. God's, God's not programmed in systems to give you results. He's not making it difficult for you to step over out of the natural into the supernatural. He's not making it more difficult than it needs to be. He's simply wanting you to respond to the godlike nature that you have within you. Within you lies the promise of God as it is in Christ. Your new creation, you're a spirit-born person. You have a living word on the inside of you. And he's wanting you to not respond to the natural, but, but respond to the spiritual, the spirit of God and the spirit of the word and the spirit of believing. When my young son Andrew is dying on the floor because he's drunk a whole cup of turpentine while I'm painting the house and he's dying on the floor, he's gone blue and black, I'm not responding to a formula. I'm not responding to a program. I'm not looking for the A to Z answers to all this and listening to something like that. What I'm doing is my spirit is connecting with the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the promise. I'm going, God, you're faithful and true. You gave him to me. And in Jesus' name, raise him up. Raise him up. And he's laying on the floor, going blue, a whole cup of turps. He wouldn't be the senior minister of Mount Annan Church right now if I hadn't have dared to believe. We'd have buried him. Took him to the hospital and the... They said, oh, he, he couldn't have drunk that much. I said, you don't know Andrew, he's a guzzler. <laughs> he knows how to drink, man. He, he was a thirsty boy and he just guzzled. I said, I saw it. He drank the whole lot. And we laid hands on him. We said, in Jesus' name, power, the commanded power of that name and that word in our world brings promises. Come on. It'll help you with your debts. It'll help you with your sicknesses. It'll help you with your distractions. It'll help you in the areas where you're discouraged. I dare to believe. And I could tell you hundreds of testimonies. I'll keep you here till next Tuesday (laughs) telling you all the stories of what's happened. Just last week, Wednesday, I was in Port Macquarie sitting next to the C3 pastor from Tamworth. He's a bull rider. That's a man of God. He rides a bull. He can ride a wave, man. He can ride the church. He rides a bull. And uh, he's up there with starting this great C3 church. He said, I was sitting with a, a man in Gilgandra the other day who came to your church. The man had a triple bypass, heart bypass, triple bypass. He would not be here if it wasn't for the bypasses. He came to the revival meetings in our services. I didn't know who he was because we laid hands on thousands of people. And he heard this tearing sound and people around him heard a tearing sound going on as though something was being shredded on the inside of him. Not a nice sound when you've had triple bypass because you know what's going or what's coming. 
heard a tearing sound. He fell under the power of God on the floor and he lay there shaking for a long period of time. He, his name is Milton. The pastor told me that. He reminded me of his name. His name is Milton. Went to the doctor that week and the doctor knew his history because they had the case before them. They looked at the case of three bypasses and they checked him out and they said there is absolutely no sign of any bypass heart operations in your life. You have a brand new childlike heart. Come on, give the Lord a hand, somebody. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Because the creative miracles come from those who dare to believe. And we were in a believing environment that no matter what we touched, no matter what we prayed for, no matter who it was, no matter how difficult, pastor walked in from far north Queensland and he was $300,000 in debt himself. We didn't know this. We didn't know him. Some of our church members knew him, but I didn't know him. He walked in on a Thursday or a Wednesday or Thursday night, deeply in debt, worried about his future, torn apart, destroyed by it. One of the young prayer leaders in our church laid hands on him. And this was the prayer. Fire of God's going to come and touch your life and you're going to be different. When the fire of God comes on your life, it's going to burn up all the debt, all that debt you owe and all that. She didn't know anything. Nobody had given her the plug-in to tell her the story. She was praying and prophesying over his future, $300,000 worth of debt. She prophesied to it. She said, when you get back home, the fire of God will fall on you and on your church, and it will burn up all the debt. He got back home in a short space of time. He rang and he said, Pastor Adrian, you don't really know who I am. I was in your services, and uh, one of your prayer warriors prayed for me. And guess what? I was in serious trouble and now I am totally out of debt. Totally all the debt has been repaid. Can you give the Lord praise about how he works? Amen. Because the word is a promise. And it's prophetic and it's powerful. And God doesn't have to know all the details to get to you. He just wants you to believe. So lift your hand to him right now and just believe. Whatever it is that you're concerned about this morning, whatever it is that troubles you, whatever it is that's breaking loose in your world, and there are some things happening that are, for some people are life and death circumstances, right now, right here, I release the power of God among you in Jesus' name. I release the power of God over your prayer right now over your petition, over your perseverance. I release the power of God over you right now, dear friend, dear man of God, dear woman of God. I release the power of God over you right now. If you feel a certainty just rising up on the inside of you, run with it, go with it and go, I believe God, I believe God. I feel a certainty arising in this room. I feel the presence of God has invaded us in these last few minutes. The Lord is getting to the moment with you in this moment right now. Believe Him. 
Believe Him for today. Believe Him for your finances. Believe Him for your business. Believe Him for your home. Believe Him for your health and for your family. Believe the promise of God today that this 101 center will become a place of faith and victory and miracles and revival in the name of Jesus. That what God is doing in the earth is not a small thing, but He's breaking out among the nations of the world to show Himself strong. And the Bible declares that the house of the Lord will be built as a mountain on top of the mountains, it will be the peak of the mountains. And it says the peoples of the world will come up to it and come into it. And I have no doubt in my mind that the Lord is building 101 as a center for His glory and for His power where the people of this city and beyond will come looking and believing. People joined our church from Germany. People joined our church from South Africa. People joined our church from Southeast Asia. They came from the United States. They came from Canada. God will draw the people of the world to help us build the house that He wants built. I want to challenge you today to believe Him for everything in our world. Let's stand up and praise Him a moment right now. We hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.